welcome to episode 190 of Labs Gamer Radio. I'm your host, Mike Hamer, and joining me tonight is Mr. Nick Case. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? It's, I'm good. It's just the two of us this evening. It is. Getting cosy. Um, yeah, everyone else is either busy or... Or, no, just busy. <laughs> Essentially. We don't um, have, yeah. Yeah. We're just busy yeah. bees. How are you? How's your How's your tea? Very good, thanks. I got this on honeymoon good. in um, yeah. Annick Annick Market on mm. a day of the week. I think it was right. It was a Sunday, I think, or a Saturday. Might have been a Saturday. It was a day. Um, there was a nice woman with a tea stall. Uh, I also bought some cassia bark sticks because I struggled to find those. Um, mm-hmm. And they're very good for like a lot of Asian type cuisine. Shove them in chili oil when you're simmering that up and stuff. Um, yeah. Very good. Is tea right? I'm, I'm going to uh, show some real ignorance here because um, I don't drink tea. Tea's generally from just sort of like, I say just, but like India and the surrounding areas and Southeast Asia, right? Yeah, pretty Those much. Those are generally the only places you get tea from. They don't really grow it anywhere else. Yes. I don't know why that is, because like coffee, you get um, blends from Asia, you get blends from Africa, from South America. Coffee's grown pretty much seemingly anywhere that that coffee will grow. Yeah, coffee People has a coffee. very, um, to make really good coffee beans at least, there's a very like specific type of uh, climate that needs to happen, um, which is quite mm-hmm. high altitude certain temperatures doesn't get above a certain temperature doesn't get below a certain temperature um right there's some talk that in the next sort of 10 to 20 years there's going to be a coffee crisis because the areas which traditionally coffee beans and trees grow very good coffee are going to suddenly become too hot to create good coffee um it's like your arabica beans so like um ethiopia um and sort of your colombia uh south sort of south south america's are going to mm-hmm. start getting too hot um, in the areas they normally grow. So they're going to have to take the uh, tree, start planting trees further down the mountains, um, which right, is going to okay. affect, apparently, according to a Vox video I watched, um, it's going to be uh-huh. a bit of a random crisis because of, you know, climate change. Climate catastrophe. We don't call it climate change anymore. No. Because it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not impactful well, enough. Climate it change, climate change was, um, it was like user tested to be more friendly and less scary than uh, global, global warming, warming or global catastrophe or climate. But catastrophe. also, the global warming thing was like um, people would be deliberately misingenuous, and you get stuff like I can't remember his name, that American senator who came into the Senate floor with like a snowball and said, "Look, I just made a snowball outside. Global warming doesn't exist." Yeah, and like, Don- it's Donald not Trump. How it works, and you know that's not how it works. You're being deliberately disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but the, they so they you like have to keep on changing the language. Yeah, they they workshopped uh, a term that was that wasn't. Scary to the average American, um, and climate change was the the sort of winner of that round of testing. So that is what they has should been, have, uh... that is what has been accepted by the global media as you know this is fine. Apart from, I will say, for all of its sins, the Guardian has been quite good in sort of getting climate catastrophe to be um, one of the more accepted terms in recent years. 
Good. At least they're doing something when they're yeah, they just hate trans people. Yeah. Um, if they really wanted to terrify Americans, they should have called it climate socialism. <laughs> Americans are terrified of that word. The climate will become a communist. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What should we talk about? Um, you had you done anything interesting over the last week? Anything exciting? You went to the cinema. Yeah, I went to cinema. You saw, should we talk about Dune? Let's, we'll talk about Dune. Let's talk about Dune briefly. I got I um, confused everyone at work um, the day after I saw it. Well, the, on mm-hmm. Monday morning, because I saw it over the weekend. And I just said that, yeah, everyone needs to go and see Dune. And they thought I was talking about someone called Dune at work. Yeah. And I was like, how do you want me to pronounce it? And yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I try and make it more of a Dune. Dune? Dune? Yeah, D Y U N E is how I pronounce it. Dune. Dune. But like, that was a thing. I want someone from the Escapist was uh, the Escapist. The Nerdist was interviewing all of the cast members and asking them how they pronounce it. And some of them say Dune, some say Dune, some say Dune, and then Javier Bardem says Duna because Duna. he's Javier Bardem. Duna. Yeah. Um. So I read the book. I'd seen the uh, the, the books. Uh, not all of them, but like the first trilogy that frank herbert wrote not the continuations or the ones that his son wrote i need to get around to it at some point but i don't know the original story from that and then i've seen the david lynch film a few times including uh, a few weeks ago but you had no you knew nothing about june right i've seen bits and bobs of the david lynch film yeah. uh, i've never watched it all <laughs> all the sting bits <laughs> yeah um so yeah i've seen bits and bobs that just the internet like like you know shows you over time um yeah just because it's a bit of a cluster mind fuck uh, <laughs> yeah um apparently the original cut is like three hours long but even three hours long is too short to tell that entire story and then the studio cut it down to two hours and it's a very long uncomplicated story um that it needs to introduce the uninitiated to a lot of weird concepts and words and whatnot. And so the the David Lynch version is a, yeah, it's a bit of a, the second half in particular feels very crammed, very rushed, very confusing. Mm. Um, but um, not the, not the Denis Villeneuve one. Um, no, definitely not. Just like, he's got to be like the most exciting director working in cinema at the moment he's got all of like the big the the big um grandiose technical skills of someone like christopher nolan but he can tell emotional human stories which is something christopher nolan kind of struggles with a bit sometimes Uh, yeah definitely christopher nolan's films are always really impressive to look at like um interstellar is incredible film to look at the human story's a bit a bit silly a bit thin um yeah but, with christopher nolan people seem to get more wrapped up in the um like he's 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 great at creating something that's amazing to look at and yeah sort of he's an incredible in. technical director yeah. yeah um and also shit like um how in interstellar he literally grew a cornfield to drive it through because he didn't want to cg the cornfield or something did you, did you read about this yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, didn't they end up making a profit on that cornfield? Yeah, they well? made a profit on the cornfield because they harvested it <laughs> after the filming. Wow. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of Arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a brilliant film, and again, the human element of Arrival is is really kind of what makes it. Um, That's what it, the whole thing hinges on, really. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I. I wasn't a big fan of Blade Runner 2049, I have to say. But you don't like the first Blade Runner either, do you? No, I do. I like the first one. Oh, okay. I just didn't think the second one was as good. Maybe maybe I was in a bad mood when I watched it. Um, okay. But I, I didn't this... leave thinking, yes, I need to watch this film again. It didn't blow me I, away. I love it. I love it. I think it's fantastic. But anyway. Yeah. June. Um, it's very good. You should probably go and see it. Yeah. Um, it's second one's fine. This is, so it's, it's definitely uh, only half a film, half a story. This is Dune Part 1. Um, they didn't really push that home in the marketing, but then when you start the film, it says Dune Part 1. Mm. Uh, it's very clear that it's only going to be half the story. It's got a very abrupt end. but um, I didn't I think it was, it was fantastic. As- abrupt as it was gonna be because the first thing that you said to me when i said i was gonna see it was don't expect a good ending it's got a very abrupt end and well i didn't so, say uh don't expect a good ending i just well, said uh, don't it's expect got an, an ending. abrupt ending yeah don't expect an yeah. ending sort of thing but it's like um how the fellowship of the ring ends yes very much so. kind of where yeah. it's like this is the end of act one mm. um, you feel um that there's like the first half of the story is done that you feel um you don't feel cheated out of anything i don't think i think it's it's quite clever because it wraps pretty much all of its own story elements up and yeah. then sets the stage for the second part yeah i didn't feel i think you would have um if it hadn't have done well uh, and the second film hadn't been greenlit which it has i think a lot of people and and dude part 2 never happened then a lot of people may have felt a bit cheated yeah yeah, it's definitely. a massive risk. Like Denny Villeneuve wanted to make both parts of the film, uh, film them back to back, but the studios, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of a risk. But I mean, Lord of the Rings was a risk. They, they and they made three of those fuckers at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the studio decided it was a bit of a risk. They were going to do part one, and if it did well, then they green light part two, um, which they have, and I understand. That all of the like a lot of the pre-production stuff is done, and they maybe be able to get around to filming it as soon as next year. So won't have to wait too long. But um, yeah, yeah, very very good. Um, Incredibly I've good. It twice since then as well. Um, <laughs> have you? Um, I, I can't. Seas. I can't pronounce the the lead actor's name. It's Tim Timothy Chamelay. Timothy Chamelay. Uh, yeah. Have you seen his old YouTube channel? No. When he was a teenager, he had a YouTube channel uh, where he would mod Xbox 360 controllers and show them off. Really? He would like paint them different colors and stuff. Um, He's way <laughs> older than he looks. Yes. He's like he's in his mid twenties, yeah. and he looks like a teenager. It's some some of these uh, actors like they just do this. I don't I don't understand how. Um, I mean, you know, it's all 
probably lots of makeup and stuff like that. But he, he, yeah, doesn't look mid twenties. Yeah, well, but usually you get those actors like they they reach like uh, I don't know they're at the age of thirty and then they stop aging. Yeah, like Keanu Reeves or Paul Rudd or someone like that. I feel like um, Keanu Reeves though Tim- is like he got to that eight stage of thirty and now he's just skipped ten years, seemingly in in a couple of years' time. He looks a bit ropey in the new Matrix film. Uh, I don't know. I think he looks. I, that, that may be. He's, he's like being made to look a bit ropey. I mean, Maybe. he looks good in John Wick. When he shaves the beard off, he looks fucking weird. Yeah. When I first saw like the um, uh, a photo of him without the beard for the latest Bill and Ted film, which I never saw, he looked like uh, what's her name, Arlene Foster, from the mm. DUP. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, so what else have we been doing over the last week? Uh, getting a new kitchen. I'm went to went for to you. Magnet and looked around at kitchens and um, got a kitchen put together and, and rendered. Um, tell you what, CAD's an amazing piece of software. I mean, uh, yeah. I used to use it um, in a different light life when i worked uh at an electrical engineering firm for a summer um, um i re- i remember when i was a how old would i be? when when is year seven year seven's like 13 12 13 oh shit yeah 12 you start I being 12 i think so when i was 12 uh is year nine how oh, what's the last year before you year nine and ten and then sixth form right eleven Year eleven, you six, you turn sixteen, and then it's sixth form college. Okay, all right, I can't really remember. Anyway, whatever it is, uh, you, whatever you either, it was. I was twelve ish, uh, and I was still obsessed with Robot Wars. Um, you mean you're not now? Well, they kind of killed it, you know. Apparently, there's a like American version of Robot Wars on Netflix recently. Mega. Mm-hmm something i can't remember battle bots battle bots that might be it yeah um, um anyway yeah i was obsessed with that um and my my school is an after, after school clubs remember those um one of them was a robot club because a robot was and i used to spend hours after school trying to learn how to use cad software so i could draw myself a robot oh man it is amazing. You can use it for for, for like almost everything. Like yeah, um, uh, it gets used quite a lot by uh, architects. Um, I used it for designing. Well, helping design like um, um, like uh, breaker boards and stuff like that. Mm. Um, you can use it for mapping. I've used it for for GIS purposes in the past. Uh, it, yeah, anything that needs to be rendered or planned out, um, CAD's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, oh god, getting a new kitchen sorted is a fucking nightmare. I mean, you've you've all got this all to look forward to because you're going to get one when you move house. Yeah, but like it's it's um, first part's fine. Get the kitchen all measured up. Go and talk it through. Say what you want, where, and get it rendered. Looks very nice. That's cool. Um then you don't want to use the fitter that they've got because the fitter costs an absolute night, like an absolute arm and a leg. So I was like, okay, my parents had a kitchen uh, done fairly recently and the guy who did that was really, really good. 
get in contact with him um don't hear anything back and it's like nearly a week later and it's like we've like we've put down 500 pounds on this kitchen and um you only get two weeks uh after which you'd like you can't get your deposit back and i can't get hold of the fitter mm. uh and then i finally get hold of him and he's like oh yeah sorry um we've all got covid oh god <laughs> so uh none of us can like come out and do anything for for a, for, a, for a little while but the, the worst one i um, found is trying to get hold of an electrician electrician well this guy um does like subcontracts everything so he'll do the the plumbing uh the tiling mm. the electrics because we've got to move like the oven is going to go to the other side of the room yep so uh that's going to be a whole thing um <laughs> but the main problem i've got is like trying to find space to put everything once it gets delivered we've only got a single garage and it's already full of shit Mm. And I've got to try and pile that shit on top of other shit to make room for the new shit. Uh, and then it's just, yeah, and then having a skip outside the front of the house where we've only got room for one car anyway. God. And so it's just going to be a bit of a, I don't like change. <laughs> I get, change anxious, I get anxious about change. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a new kitchen and everything. It's just all the stress and palaver. Mm going into it uh, but you're getting yours that you're when you move house you're getting it done like straight away right um i mean it's going to be the first job we try and tick off definitely okay yeah. um, well, that's the new place we've got yeah. so effectively it's got it's got like a workable kitchen um yeah but i like cooking so and the ki- the kitchen is kind of what the main sort of room we were looking for when we we're looking for a new house um because yeah. our current one is like a quite a small kitchen diner it's got like three bits of worktop you can actually use um it's pretty small basically um so we were kind of like after a nice big kitchen like you know statement kitchen almost uh that's mm-hmm. going to be like the center of the house more than the living room because we spend more time in the kitchen than the living room um yeah. and it's surprisingly difficult to find a house like that these days um new builds especially newer builds new builds have Every... a tiny kitchen uh, oh, they're the worst. We like, looked at a few, and it's just like there's there's about enough room for one person in here. Yeah, which is basically what our current place is like. Um, it it's a kitchen diner, but bec- the diner bit takes up two thirds of the yeah. room, and then you've got a third little bit for um, cooking. I mean, I've got like an IKEA island in there just to get enough worktop space for me to cook. I don't know how. Yeah, like I'm realistically the cupboard space that they've got in by default is i don't know how anyone cooks anything other than beans on toast um because there's not any storage for any like pans and pots and i know i'm a bit extreme and have like you know pizza peels and bow steamers and you know lots of japanese ingredients and things like that but yeah yeah and like mugs that lots of like everyone seems to buy mugs for people at christmas so we have like an entire cupboard full of mugs but i'm sure everyone has an entire cupboard full of mugs somewhere how many mugs have you always got um oh god right so we've got i've got a whole mug tree that's full of mugs and that's the backup mugs yeah never get used well yeah obviously um i've got a bunch of like uh, promo mugs that i got when i worked in the tire industry um on there and then there's a bunch of mugs that hang underneath like uh to the left of the sink we've got like 
this is what the old lady lived here before left like a wooden thing on the wall which is like a plate rack yeah with hooks underneath to hang your mugs on mm-hmm. it's really nice um i don't want to get rid of it when we change the kitchen <laughs> but i don't know it's not my decision um and there's a bunch of mugs hanging underneath there and then i use this reusable mug that doesn't go anywhere yeah so i use one mug well that's the thing isn't it i mean have about 20 realistically people in their lifetime no i won't say lifetime people realistically have like one or two mugs they use on a day-to-day basis the rest of them are just in case you have a party and have like six people come over and want a coffee um but you need them there just in case um so, just in but, case but but they take up so much fucking room they do. yeah exactly we actually we're so bad we have <laughs> we have an entire cupboard that's like full of mugs stacked on top of each other sort of thing there's probably about 12 yeah. 12 to 15 i want to say mugs we also just got married so uh someone uh bought us a lovely like cute mug set so it's like a mr and mrs mugs which yeah is very nice but it's another two mugs added to the pile of mugs in the cupboard um and mm. we also have like a big plastic box upstairs in the wardrobe with um spare crockery and that's got quite a few mugs in as well and glasses uh yeah i've got a box of like plates uh plates and mugs and stuff we don't use and like san pellegrino glasses and stuff like that in the garage i've got a load of like um from my uni days when i used to be a bit uh i used to pilfer glasses from the student union um who didn't I've got some really nice Jaeger shot glasses um, mm. from there. Funnily enough, they they start like that was at the start of the year. They started using them for Jaeger bombs. They'd run out within a week of these like yeah. nice Jaeger glasses that they'd got because um, like the set of two were probably like seven pounds in the Jaeger shop. The thing we we're, we're short of space on always in our kitchen is for appliances. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. so he's got like a stand mixer because she likes to do baking, and we've got like a um, rice cooker slash steamer thing, uh, a slow cooker, uh, an air fryer. See what you need: uh, a tassimo machine, a, a blender. Um. At least two of those can be merged into one. How do you mean? You can have um, rice cooker, steamer, and a slow yeah. cooker. You just described the instant pot. I know, I know, but the instant pots are expensive. I got one in Black Friday last year. Um, it's uh, should get one. Quid, I think. But it's can good. you can you do the, exactly the same thing with a instant pot as you can do with a slow cooker? It's like, can I put yeah. like a shoulder of pork in there and and make yeah just let you it cook for like yeah, seven got, hours? It's literally got a slow cooker setting, so it's okay. It's an induction hob sort of thing. Mm. Uh, so it's just like a thing. So it's got different modes. If you don't put the pressure lid on and you can just set it on low and it'll cook for seven hours like you just described like a slow cooker would if you put it on right. pressure so is that like so you, you put the lid on but you don't pressurize it you can you can either do that or you can buy a separate slow cooker lid which is you have a glass lid sort of thing so right you can see through i it. see so you can get two hmm. different lids if you want to do that but i mean i've just i've cooked meals in it just without using the pressure cooker or slow cooker thing just using it as an induction hob um, can you do like a put like a steamer tray yeah steamer it comes with a steamer it. basket okay. um ah okay because if i want to make like bao buns or yeah gyoza or whatever i've got one of the nice mm. wooden bamboo ones 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, you can do that if you if you want to do that. Okay, okay. Hmm, interesting. Black Friday's coming out. I have out. to look into that then. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I was going to buy something frivolous like a VR headset, but <laughs> maybe I should get an instant pot. Something useful. Um, throw two throw two things away and combine into one. But yeah, I, I, I feel you on the appliances. I'm I'm in two minds. What do you think about uh, having an integrated microwave? We've got one at the moment, and the, we're going to get one in the new kitchen as well. Mm. Just for like... Um, uh, I don't like heating up the oven just to heat up plates. No. Like if it's if you've already cooking something in the oven, then sure, turn it off, then put the plates in, cool, heat them up. But like otherwise, I'll if I'm cooking something on the hob or whatever, I'll use the microwave to heat up plates. See, to me, that's quite um, posh. And reheating cups of coffee that I forget about. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, li- literally, and we, reheating leftovers and yeah, whatnot. You know, we use it for leftovers. I remember when I first yeah. moved out uh, from my student life. Um, I lived without a microwave for six months, and just it sucks, right? Six months of like getting a frozen block of spaghetti bolognese out of the fr- of the freezer. So bolognese, yeah. I'm, I wouldn't freeze spaghetti. I'm not a monster, and okay. then just like plopping it into a saucepan and then like having to stand there for 10 minutes like moving it around so it all defrosts. Well, it melts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now you just shove it in the microwave and it's done in a few minutes. It's great. And yeah. Anything. Yeah. But yeah, like, but, but what my point was the microwave is a massive monster of an appliance if you don't get it integrated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, there's no way I'd have one on... on uh, Like, my, my parents have got one of those microwaves that's also like a convection oven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had and one of those on Honeymoon. they use the oven. We had one of those on Honeymoon. Yeah. I couldn't quite... Um, we bought something that said to oven it. And I tried... Oh, it was some uh, vegan meatballs from Aldi. Frozen vegan meatballs. And I didn't read the packet, and it said to oven bake them. So I was like, oh, I'm sure I can fry them, but I'll, I'll try the oven. Uh, it sort of rattled and made a lot of noise for 10 minutes till I got too scared, took it out and put it in the pan. Um, I don't uh, know. Right. It was just a bit weird. Yeah, they're a bit weird. I never I never really got them with all, uh, whenever I've used it that my parents have got. But um, mm. yeah, no, integrated microwave, um, integrated oven, uh, dishwasher, and uh, 70-30 fridge freezer. Nice. More, more, way more fridge space than than freezer space is what we want. Cause yes. The existing fridge freezer we've got will just go in the garage, and we can use that for overflow. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. And drinks. Yeah. Anyway, um, as much as I love talking about, I was thinking nonsense, this this is the this is uh, the randomest laps gamer podcast probably ever. Yeah. Well, this is only half an hour in. It's we a good energy. Video games at all. We need to talk about music. Um, yeah, we, I was going to say we need to talk about music because Doug. Um, friend of the show doug uh pulled me up and said that because i was talking to him about the new um every time i die album uh because he's been getting into them a lot recently and their new album is pure filth uh and he said that uh, he said that we should talk about music more because he appreciates specifically uh yours and my taste in music so what have you been listening to over the last week let me it isn't taylor swift well, that narrows it down a bit. <laughs> that does narrow it down a bit. Uh, a lot. I'm just going to bring Spotify up to be fair. I've had a bit of a throwback week. Um, 
to be honest, I listened to some Enter Shikari yesterday. Okay. Um, that Minesweep album, very good, very very good album. Do do you are you yeah. a fan or not a fan of them? I'm guessing not so much. Not really my jam. Mm, I figured so. Uh, I am still obsessed with the new Churches album. Okay, I, I need to listen v, to that. Coverches. Coverches. Uh, I loved the first album. Mm-hmm. The second album has got some absolute bangers on it, but on the whole, I just it, it felt less like a cohesive album and more like a collection of pop songs. Yeah, I'll go and with that. And then the third album went like even more poppy and I was like, I don't like this as much. The third album was really hard to like as a fan of the first album. So I, I got into them mm-hmm. quite early on in the first... They, I think they just released the first album when I got into them. Um, yeah. like, I got into them thanks to Purity Ring. Um, so... Mm-hmm. And then the second album came out and I was like, this is good. I like it. Um, it's got some bangers on, but then it's also not. So the third one, I hated it when I first listened to it. I've since kind of grown to like it and appreciate it for what it is. Um, there's some great songs on there. Um, mm-hmm. Screen Violence is incredible. I don't think there's a bad song on the album. Um, they released a okay. director's cut. Um, they call it a director's cut. It's, in fact, it's kind of a concept album. It's The concept is like 80s horror films um so it's all horror horror based basically um and yeah um like i say i don't think there's a bad song on the album um maybe maybe a couple towards the end aren't as good as the others but most of them are absolute bangers um Mm. yeah absolutely incredible I, i highly recommend listening to it okay i'll add that one to my list uh anything else um, I listened to uh, this is a new one. You you know about this one? Uh, I listened to a Billie Eilish album. Oh right. Um, when we go to sleep, when where do we, we go, or something? When like that. we all fall asleep, where do we go? Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Because like, uh, I I was, um, I was curious to hear what you what what you'd make of her because like you're you like you're not a stranger to um pop starlets you're a big taylor swift fan taylor swift's um, a bit different but yeah like yeah um, well, i mean yes yeah, so i mean like a pop is a very broad church it, yeah any any um, genre these days is quite a broad church but uh exactly yeah yeah i just wondered what what you because but knowing the sort of some of the other sorts of music that you like i thought you'd probably find this even if you didn't like it, at least you'd find it interesting. It's one of those that I want to listen to a, a couple of times again. I, I didn't hate mm. it. I don't think I loved it. Um, right. It was definitely listenable. Um, the lyrics were really good, especially like when yeah. you said, like she's, she was a teenager when she wrote this. I think yeah, it's crazy. She still is a teenager. She's 19. Is she? I, th- I thought she was in her 20s now. Yeah, she's still 19, according to Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Um, Fair enough. Like, she's still a teenager. It's incredible. That's nuts then, because that, that album was like two years ago. Uh, yes, it was. She was 17. Yeah. I was, a, I was a moron when I was 17. Yeah, tell me about it. I was Arguably, well. I still am, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it was, it was really interesting. The music was great. Um, it was really sort of... It's, it kind of hit certain nine inch nails tones and feelings 
Yeah. Um, that in a really enjoyable way. Um, but yeah, um, I don't I don't quite know what to make of it to be honest because it's not any kind of pop I've ever listened to. I know it's crazy. It's it's like it's minimalist. It's dark, and yet it's, it's so successful. Kind of anti-pop in places, but it is. It's very catchy uh, in other ways. It's yeah, incredibly successful, chart bothering, but also like weird, liked by a, like such a diverse range of other musicians, like the, um, uh, uh, Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth. Mm-hmm. Has talked about enjoying it. Um, Tom York from Radiohead quite likes. Billie I can see Eilish. Tom York liking it because, yeah, there are certain sort of aspects of Tom York that cross over. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's 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 wild. I haven't listened to her new album. Um, it's very different. I'm, I'm just, uh, there was a bit of a backlash from some critics and like um, groups of her fans because she's. She sounds happy on the new album. Apparently, it's oh, like, oh no, how this, dare she? This is different. How dare she be happy? Um, I mean, it's literally called happier than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't, I haven't listened to that yet. But, have you, uh, on a si- kind of similar note, um, is it? Uh, have you listened to Willow Smith? Uh, what? As in, I whip my hair back and forth. Maybe. Um, you don't know that song. No, I don't know that song. Willow. One of the most annoying songs ever made. The chorus is just her, her saying, I whip my hair back and forth. I whip my hair back and forth over and over and over and over again. Discography. Uh, it's not good. But that's, that's the only one of her songs I've heard. Okay. If we're... Uh, it, Will Smith's daughter. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I've, I've not heard that one. Um no, the oh last, okay, that was year, her like big breakout single. Last year, she released a song called "Transparent Soul" with right. Travis Barker from Blink One Eight Two. Okay, and it's like a crazy mishmash of Blink One Eight Two crossed with Paramore, almost. Okay, I'm probably not selling this to you to be honest, but it's interesting. Mm. Give it a listen. It's I used to like Blink One Eight Two. It's two minutes fifty. Of- quite like a bit of Paramore from time to time. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Hayley Williams' solo album? Yeah. It's uh, very good. Very, very good and very different. Not what you'd expect yeah. from her whatsoever. She is... Mm. Again, like, I really like when sort of quite well-known artists go off and reinvent themselves uh, and they're not yeah. scared to do that, which I think is happening more and more recently, uh, especially because, like, as time's going on and you're getting more people were successful as a young kid and then they're sort of like going away and getting a bit bored of what they did when you know not kids especially but like you know i mean hello williams must have been about 17 when they first released uh the first album or something like that Mm -hmm. and she's grown up and she you know gone through so many changes in her life and all of that and it's really good to see people not be afraid to experiment in that way anymore yes yeah um so yeah i'm all for it um, yeah, yeah, very good album that as well. Um, well, that neatly, neatly brings me on to one of an album I've been listening to quite a lot, uh, which is "If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power" by Halsey. Yes, um, who uh, I'd heard the odd song of hers before, and it didn't really grab me. Um, and then she went and made an album with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails, 
and it's really fucking good. Yeah. Um, again, that's a massive that's a massive risk to take because uh, you don't go to Trent Reznor and Atticus Rossi if you want a catchy hook that's gonna you know top the charts and sell millions of copies you go you go to Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor because you want that sound mm. um, and it very much sounds like um, I prefer it to what I heard of what was the side project that he had with his wife um, when Nine Inch Nails went on hiatus How to Kill Angels that was it I wish Russ yeah. was here because he would have told me like instantly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Russ is in a walking Trent Reznor encyclopedia. It's it's a, a massive risk for her. Yeah, that's fine. And we'll okay. do a, a quick clap test. Yeah. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Um, I don't know exactly where I was in this conversation because at this point. Nick's uh, Reaper crashed Oops. and we lost about 10 minutes of conversation uh, in which we talked a lot about the Halsey album and how much it's very good and you should listen to it. Uh, if you like Nine Inch Nails, you should listen to it um, for sure. But even if you don't, it's definitely worth checking out. It's not like any other pop album you'll hear. Uh, and then Nick had a little freak out because... Um, what album is it? The Black Parade by NCR. By is like fifteen years old. Fifteen years old, which means uh, I am fifteen then, years older than I was, and I was fourteen, so I'm now twenty nine. Yeah. Uh, and then Nick said that that was like early emo, and then I I had to explain that no, it's not, and like emo's been around since like the nineties, and he should check out bands like Sunny Day Real Estate, and he's never heard of them, and it made me feel super old. Because you are old. I am old. Um, and then I don't know if we talked about anything else. Not really. Um, video games, Nick. You've been playing Hades. I have. Hades is great. You get it's very good, isn't it? It's got some very good dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we've talked about this already, but it's all been lost. Um, a quick so, yeah. one, I don't know what we talked about. Uh, Hades is, is very, it's very good. <laughs> Unlike other run-based games, when you... when you like uh, The storyline keeps you going through it, and when you die, you don't mind so much because you get some more of the story and you get to uh, uh, use a different weapon, you get different boons, it's going to be a completely different playthrough, and... Yeah, dying just, doesn't feel like a punishment like it does in some roguelikes. No, it's it's part of the story, for yep. starters. Uh, it's part of the narrative. Um, and uh, it's it the, the story is so compelling that you don't mind dying because you get more of it. Yeah, um, basically. Um, and I'm going to completely rip off what Giant Bomb said about this last year. And Supergiant finally made a horny game. Yeah, they'd, they'd always been like on the verge of making a horny game. Right? They've been on the verge, but they'd never gone oh, over yeah, that yeah. line. Hades the line has very been crossed. Horny. It's Greek oh, mythology. It's filth. They are some sexy ass gods. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's it's a very very good game, and that soundtrack. Oh my god, that soundtrack. Oh. 
Yeah. So it's good. That slap bass that keeps coming in all over the place. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And like mixtures of like metal with like traditional Greek folk instruments. Um, yeah, you get like it's very loot in there with a shredding guitar and yeah, it's yeah. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were playing. Um, there's been some very good use of music in video games over the past couple of years. I feel like oh, it, for sure. it was a lost art for quite a while. Um, but like, I can think of three examples of great bits of video game music. The first being Control. Right. Um, have you played that much Control yet? Or are you still? No. Okay. No, there's a very not. good sequence uh, in Control where the music just works with the gameplay and the gameplay works with the music and there's lots of shifting around and lots of anyone who has played control knows exactly what i'm talking about right now but you feel so badass and the music drives that feeling uh and drives the sequence it's honestly if you could only play that one sequence in control it'd be worth the price of admission which currently is free anyway um thanks to prime gaming but it'd be worth the price of, of the game anyway just for that one sort of 10 that minute game, sequence that game has been free everywhere it was on game pass for a while they gave it away on ps plus i picked it up on for free on epic game store was it on game pass yeah it was on game pass for a while oh didn't know that mm. well, yeah. um um at least pc game pass i don't know about console but um yeah yeah so there was that the hades has just got a killer soundtrack uh which mm-hmm. kind of dynamically switches and changes with the music and um sorry with the gameplay and the combat and then there was a really cool sequence in Back for Blood that we played last oh, Friday. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that that's more like uh, using um, licensed music in an interesting way. Yeah. Like the the, the big one that I can, that always uh, sticks in my mind is, did you ever play Rockstar's, um, uh, that when Rockstar did the third installment in the Max Payne series? I didn't know, but that was oh. developed with Remedy, wasn't it? Because Remedy yeah. made Max Payne, and they made it in tandem with Rockstar. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the third one has got like a sequence where you're fighting through an airport, and it's all set to a song by Health. Oh, uh, really? And it's yeah, huh. and it's it's fucking epic. It's so good. Like the the music it's, itself on its own is amazing, but just set to this piece of gameplay is like incredible. That's interesting but because. Yeah technically a remedy game so is control mm-hmm. alan wake had a very good sequence with set music as well back in the day 10 years ago right um yeah they remedy like putting music with games um and they're pretty good at it yeah for sure um but yeah <laughs> back for blood excellent so yeah, we'll talk a little bit about the game itself because we've we've played two or three sessions of it now. Two, two sessions. Okay, um, Yumi and Chazzy been playing it um, on uh, it's on Game Pass. We've been playing it on PC and Chazzy's been on Xbox. It's Left 4 Dead. It's the same developers as Left 4 Dead. Um, uh, Valve wouldn't let them make a third Left 4 Dead because Valve can't count to three. So, um, it's basically that, but with like new stuff. Like, have you did you play much Left 4 Dead back in the day? Oh, yeah, 
Yeah, the, ori- the okay. original and two, I played a lot of on, yeah. the, on the A360. Yeah, you probably played more than I did then. Um, I never owned it. I used to play, I used to, like, you know, if I was hanging around with friends who got it, then we'd play some, but mm. um, I never really played a huge amount of it. I remember it, they, there being some really interesting aspects of it, like the, the director that would, like, change where the zombies spawned and how many and which, like, special zombies that would be uh, spawned and, and whatnot. Um, but it's this new one, like, just seems like there's way more to it. Like the card system. The card system is really what makes it, I think. Um, yeah. They've taken the essence of Left 4 Dead and built it out a bit and then brought it into the sort of, you know, where we are in this generation with, with a great card system. So, but effectively, um, you enter the, an act with a deck that you've built uh so you find cards and you buy cards along the way and then uh you build your deck up and you enter with this deck and you effectively just every time you get to the end of a chapter you get to draw a new card from your deck and that goes into play so if you wanted to make a build around um so my character that i was playing as had a massive baseball bat uh with spikes like barbed wire wrapped around it and a lot of spikes on yeah. So I built the character and the deck around having a lot of stamina uh, because I needed more stamina to swing the bat. Um, mm-hmm. So at the start of the, by the end of like the first act, I think I had like a seven times multiplier on my stamina. Um, and every time I killed an enemy with a melee uh, attack, I gained health and stamina. And there's some crazy cool combinations you can do. Um, but it, yeah. that kind of really makes it, feel different to any other game uh and it kind of makes any run feel different as well slightly because yeah it changes it's not, not only everything. are you like it, but basically as you're going through an act like bunch of levels you're building your character up in a particular way as you go right like you were doing like picking the cards to give you more stamina and to uh give you health back when you when you got hits with the bat because that was what was you know the, the equipment you had on that go through um but then also, like, the director is picking cards that then you can counterpick mm. as well. Um, but then when you get to the end of a... When you get to the end of that act and you start the next act, then you're kind of starting over again and you start building... You start build, building your deck out again from the beginning from... Well, not building your deck because, like, you're, you're picking cards from a deck that you've already built. Yeah. You're, like, building your character, making your build again from the beginning. Yeah. Very cool. It is. Um, if I had one criticism to level it, it'd probably be that a lot of the director cards felt sort of predetermined. Yes. It felt like there were always the same... It felt... It didn't feel random enough for it to have picked cards from an RNG. It felt like, oh, this level you're going to have to speedrun it. This level you're going to have to do mm. this. Um, but we've only played through the first act once. We so have. Who knows? Maybe if you play through it again, you get completely different cards than the director. I don't know. Potentially. It just felt like the levels that we got speedrun on were built around being able to speedrun it. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I don't um, know if that's true. We'll have to play the levels again to see. Yeah. And there we've only cool played the first act. Too. Um, there's like two more acts to play. And there's a whole other game mode as well, which I think is just a horde mode. Yeah. 
Um, but, um, yeah. I particularly enjoyed, <laughs> strangely enough, my character dying. Oh, right. The experience yeah. of my character dying was quite cool. So when you get past Act 2, wherever we were, mm-hmm. um, there's a new creature called the Hag. Yeah. And the Hag basically swallows you whole. Sure. And if your teammates don't shoot the Hag dead before they... Before it like digs into the ground. Dig into the ground, then you mm-hmm. die or they take you away. And yeah. then sometime later in the game, like probably you know a few corners or whatever around you found me sort of on a wall tied up in slime yeah and rescued me and then i i Uh was alive again and then it happened to you but we were so (laughs) close to the end of the game you didn't survive because there was nowhere for your body to spawn no there wasn't no unfortunately but then when you get to the end the character comes back it's just a I, i don't know what you lose to be honest but um yeah, it's it's very very cool. Uh, but at the moment in particular, you were like you were referencing when we were talking about use of licensed music was there was a level where we had to distract zombies by turning on a jukebox. Yeah, we got to. A- well, I don't I don't even know. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what the objective was. It was just like get to the bar, and then I got to the bar, and then you were like, "Hey, there's a jukebox here." And then it let you interact with the jukebox. Yeah, we had and to then- turn the jukebox on. In order uh-huh. to distract the zombies, right? I don't know. Well, I why. didn't know that was. Ha- I don't know why that was happening. I think it's like to pull the zombies away from something else, so some people could could. Uh, I assume so. Yeah, but I'd been too busy talking and hadn't paid attention <laughs> to what the objective was, so I didn't know what was happening. And it suddenly turned on the jukebox, and then Ace of Spades by uh, by um, Motorhead, Motorhead starts blasting out the jukebox. And I was like. My first instinct was like, oh, shit, because we were streaming. I was like, oh, we're going to get dinged. And we yep. did. We definitely yeah, I was like, dinged. oh, that's going to be a copyright strike. Yeah. But then after that, I was like, I don't care. This is fucking cool. It was very like, cool. Yeah, you're just in this bar uh, murdering zombies coming at you from all Hundreds directions. Hundreds of well. zombies as well. I've never seen so many zombies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was really, really cool. It was weird that they didn't time it to be like, um, you think that like, so you have to hold them off for a certain amount of time and you think that they would like tailor it so that you hold them off for the exact length of that song, but it was longer. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, you get that song and it's like, that's fucking cool. And then there was like a, like a couple of seconds of silence and then it started playing, uh, was it tick, tick, boom by the hives? I think so. Yeah. Which is a very good song, but it's not Ace of Spades. And it was just like, the sequence kept on going, but now you're listening to a different song that's good, but not quite as good. Yeah, it should have ended. It they should have just weird. had that one. Yeah, um, just one big massive wave of zombies for the duration of Ace of Spades and then end it. Yeah, basically. Um, um, but yeah, very cool. Yeah, very good game. Really enjoying mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Good, good co um, fun. Anything else you've been playing? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Apart from F1, obviously. That's just a given. Shall, at the we, um, shall we get it out of the way? Let's get it out of the way. Fuck those corners. Hang on, I've, I've dropped my pen. How am I supposed to cross off what we've talked about if I've dropped my pen? I like how you're pretending that you're so uh, organised that you've got a list of what we should be talking about and you cross it off as we go along. I do. 
Oh shit, you do. Wow. <laughs> I made, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> sort of like, you know, we could be one of those professional podcasts that write shit down before. Remember so, when we used, so we used to have show about. notes? and Oh yeah, yeah, we, we used to be organised. Ah, I yeah. can't be bothered. Um, so F1. Um, so our last race was at uh, Zandvoort in the Netherlands, land of my forefathers. Um, very, very good track. Very old track, quite narrow, has banked corners, which is quite different for Formula One. Um, really, really enjoyable track, though. We raced it fairly recently in uh, Seto Corsa Competizione in, in some GT3 cars, and it's and it was very good fun there. We raced it last year in F1 2020 with the Codec Moment Boys and had real good like fun in it. But this year, the physics model has changed and curbs are not your friend anymore and there's lots and lots of big slippy curbs in uh <laughs> in uh, uh in Zandvoort and um we were both playing setups on our cars that were quite tail happy yeah bit loose at the back yeah um which some people really really like uh, and it's very, very good for like rotating your car on technical circuits. And it is a technical circuit. It's just I like a little bit more stability in my back end. Yeah, it's also a circuit, though, where you'd need a bit of top speed. Like you want to get out of the corner and get your foot down as quick as yep. you can. Because and that's why it was quite low straights. downforce, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it the, was. The, the build it was like um, it was fairly, yeah, fairly low rear downforce, which was com- contributing to the slippy back. Mm. Um but it led to some some spins. Yeah. Um, so I... <sighs> I had some issues in practice and qualifying, and mm-hmm. which led to me getting um, three five-grid sec- five place penalties. So yep. the best I could start on the grid would 15th. 16th, I think. 16th, yep, you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say they weren't my fault, but one of they them, were harsh. One of them definitely wasn't my fault. Yeah, one of them. I don't see how I could have avoided it much. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so one of them I'd spun out in practice, which is fine on the last corner. The last yep. corner is like a it's a semicircle. It's it's like a big big long hairpin. Big, um, big, yeah, big looping banked, banked hairpin. Corner. That's that's yeah. yeah the the big one. Uh, so I spun out. I was at the exit of it. Effectively, I mm. waited for a few cars to go past me. I then spun my car around, looked on the minimap, and nothing was coming. So I set going, and then all of a sudden a car appeared. So I scrambled towards the pit lane side of the track so i could get into the pit lane to pit for some new tires and uh i was i got done for impeding bottas who was coming around the corner i in hindsight when we looked back at the stream of it i can see why i was technically penalized but i don't see what i could have done differently yeah i thought that was incredibly um unfortunate but i've had i've had a few of those as well do you remember um (laughs) Where was it? My favourite is in France when <laughs> you got a penalty for crashing into me. Yeah. Um, you got done for impeding Hamilton well. in Monaco. That was it. Was it Monaco? Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Sure, I was backing him up a bit, but you, you, not, you did say something along the lines of "How do you like that, Lewis?" Yeah, but the computer doesn't know that, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, it's I don't know, it's a bit a, a bit harsh. Um, yeah. yeah. So you started from the back of the grid. It did because I had I took several new, tangles. I took new everything, mm-hmm. um, so I took like a massive seventy grid place penalty. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had a few tangles at the back. Um, I can't even remember who they were with now. Uh, Lando I, Norris, several times. Lando, let me tell you, this was for like 11th place in the end, I think. 11th, 10th, yeah. somewhere around there. Lando is, doesn't, he's a fighter. Gotta give mm-hmm. it to him. But that yeah. is kind of who he is in real life. You know, look at how much yep. I'm trying to get past him Um, several times this season. Um. Yep. Yeah, he he fights for every every inch of that track, um, which at the time I was very frustrated with because I just wanted to be past him, um, mm-hmm. you know, which all drivers do. But you know, in hindsight, it, it was just you know good defending, good drive, good bit of driving. Had a few tangles though because um, I mean I was pushing hard, I was getting on these slippy corners uh, and curbs. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, which you know. I think I spun out three or four times during the entire race, losing mm. between sort of eight and ten sec, eight and fifteen seconds each time. So, yeah, realistically, if I hadn't have done that every time and just been a bit more calm, collected, and picked my moments, uh, I could have finished a lot higher than I did. Um, mm. But that's just a learning experience for me that I can take forwards. It was it's a just- very, very good recovery drive. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, I finished in the eighth, I think, in the end. I finished in the points. Yeah, Looked yeah. after my tires. Could do a few long stints on them. Um, mm. So yeah, it was it was a decent weekend from the back of the grid. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things where because we, especially with F one, uh, I pretty much only play that when we do our races mm-hmm. and practice. So I've not got that sort of race, long race practice. Um, so it's good to getting those situations and hopefully in, next time I get in them, especially because the last most of the season we've been at the front that we've not really had to yeah. pass. Um, when we do pass, it's blue flags, so they just get out of the way. So it yeah. was quite nice to be in a position where you had to fight a bit and had to tangle and had to, um, you know, get some overtaking practice in there because hmm. I don't think we do that enough, really, just because we're too good. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> we need to turn um, the AI, uh, we need to turn the AI up. Is what I'm possibly, yeah. Um, I had a slightly so I, I qualified second. I just missed out on pole because Max was a, a, just a little bit faster. Um, then uh, lost ground to Perez at the start of the race, so I was sat in third, and I was this the, so this setup we had with the car was was already quite twitchy and i was running on on medium tires which have less grip than the softs and so i was i was quite uncomfortable for the first stint of the race uh on tires that didn't feel 100 percent um where i wanted them to be i didn't have as much grip as i wanted and i was trying to keep pace with a couple of very very fast red bulls do you uh, wish in hindsight that you would have done what everyone else did and qualify on the softs? 
Sure, but then it could have gone even worse. I don't know. It could have been worse in the, the, the back end of the race. So I, I, instead of like being like softs transitioning onto mediums, I started on mediums and then trans- transitioned onto softs later. Um, at one point, I was right up on the tail of um, of Perez, and I thought I could take it, uh, take second place, and then had a little spin and lost a lot of positions, uh, and then fought back, and in the end, I was. Uh, I cut Perez's lead on me from 20 seconds down to like eight, uh, but just ran out of laps. So mm. a podium finish, but um, not not exactly where I wanted. Uh, I could have got second, I think. I don't I think, think I could have beaten Max. We both had really good sort of like the last 10, 15, 20 laps. Um, yep. We both had massive 20 second gaps to to sort of make up. Uh, I think we both yeah. ate away quite a lot in those those laps, but just ran out of time, ran out yeah. of laps. Yeah. yeah, but it was very good. Great. Um, it's one of those where done. I didn't feel like it was a long session. Some of the Grand no, Prix have really dragged. Um, you know, like France in particular. I remember mm-hmm. looking, being shocked when Chazis told me it was only ten laps in. Um, yeah, Monaco. Just because it's Barcelona. so long, Barcelona. Well, Barcelona wasn't <clears throat> long for me because I crashed out and DNF. <laughs> we are gonna f- we're gonna feel every single second of Singapore. That's not going to be a fun race. No, that won't be um, a good one. But the next I one will be fun. Uh, we're at Monza. We've already done practice and quali. Uh, front row lockout again. I think right. Yeah. yeah front row lockout. Um, did very good. Uh, again, like the setup is ever so slightly twitchy at the rear end, but you need like uh, you need to be running almost no downforce at Monza. It is called the Temple of Speed for a reason, and that's because it's got the highest average speed of any circuit on the calendar. Um, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, I love Monza. Um, off the back of playing F1, I went and bought Assetto Corsa, the original Assetto Corsa in the steam sale for like six pounds like the complete edition with all the dlc uh and i installed that and gave it a go and once i got past the why is my steering wheel not working um headache of like oh i need to go into the menu and calibrate the steering wheel because of course it doesn't recognize a steering wheel this game was made by about 10 people in a shed in italy um it's very good. It's not as polished as a set of course of competizione. Um, that that is the one of the best looking and definitely the best sounding racing sims I've ever played. Mm. Um, but it is just one discipline. It is only GT three cars. Well, they had a GT four later. Whereas original set of course is everything from like Fiat five hundreds up to Formula One cars. Um, I had a little blast around in um, the uh, 2015 Porsche 919 hybrid, one of my favorite LMP1 cars, uh, and the uh, Porsche 911 RSR, which is probably our favorite GTE car. Um, and it's very good. It, it's the Graphically, it's quite flat compared to some of the more modern racing games. I mean, this is from like 2013. Uh, I think 2013, 2014. Uh, mm. The sound's not quite as good. Uh, the HUD is uh, at first a confusing mess, but then you realize that, oh, it's actually completely customizable. You literally like hover your mouse over the right hand side of the screen, and there's a pop out 
that comes up with every single HUD element you could possibly want, and you just click on it and drag it to where you want it to be on the screen. So you can customize the HUD however you want, or you can turn everything off, and it's very cool. Um, <clears throat> and apparently the game is like infinitely moddable. You want to make it look better? There's mods for it. You want to make it sound better? There's mods for it. You want the HUD to be better and the menus to be better? There's mods for it. There's mods for everything. People have even modded in entire cars. They've modeled um, the way the cars look, the way they, they handle, how they sound, everything, and modded them into the game, which is crazy. It's like the, uh, um, it's like the late noughties uh, internet. Instead of there's an app for that, it's there's a mod for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you can customize it however you want. Uh, it's still got a big following in the sim racing community, from what I understand. Uh, it's a lot of sim enthusiasts' favorite sim game. Do you think it's because um, it's their first <clears throat> sim game? Yeah. For a lot of them. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Sure. Uh, that could be a good reason why. Um, but I, yeah, what I've played of it, I, um, I really like it. It's... I mean, it was six pounds. Can't really complain. It's not as good as I said to cause a competizione, but it's it's more varied. The number of cars in there is much more varied. Um, it's not just GT3. It's it's kind of everything. Lots of road cars, track cars, GT4, GT3, LMP1, Formula One cars from like the V V10, V8, V6 hybrid eras. Um, a bunch of old ferrari and lotus formula one cars from like the 60s um yeah some cool stuff in there uh, i'm looking forward to playing some more of that mm. um that's the only racing games i've been playing um what else have i been playing all oh, right we've both played a little bit of age of empires 4 yes um i played like the first three levels so this is interesting to me because you're a massive history fan. Yep. And you've never played an Age of Empires game. No, I don't know. It's just one of those weird uh, Age of Empires and Crusader Kings are like big holes in my um, RTS history. Mm. Like, um, <clears throat> I never played any of that sort of RTS game. I played, you know, Starcraft and Command and Conquer and, and games like that. But my like Civ building uh, game was always civilization mm. uh you don't get a huge amount of history through that at all so um i had no idea i mean are the other aoe games like this because um, I, I was kind of blown away when i like loaded it up and i'm like oh shit i'm being presented with like really well put together documentary films about the, <laughs> the history of <laughs> of like 1066 and, yeah so um, the, the documentaries are completely new completely brand okay. new uh, mm. but they are in like i can't believe how well produced they are like they are it's crazy right um like they are netflix quality documentaries yeah i really hope that they upload them all onto youtube or something so i can just watch them all in isolation instead of having to like because yeah. I, I, when i want to play I, age of empires i want to play age of empires i don't want to have to boot up Age of Empires just to watch some documentaries about I mean I will if I have to but I'd like mm. the option of watching them on YouTube instead but yeah they're incredibly well produced documentaries about history um, absolutely incredible and it kind of goes along with what your le the levels you're doing like after your initial sort of introduction mission which just kind of gives you the 
basics of the game and how you do stuff, which if you've played Age of Empires 2 at least, then you know, you kind of know it's um very similar to any other Age of Empires game in that regard. The actual gameplay and the, the sort of core loop and mechanics all Stop clicking your pen, I can hear it. Sorry. <laughs> all basically exactly the same. Um and then yeah, so after that you get a mission where you basically reenact ten sixty six sort of thing. I mean obviously it's it's not reenact as in Total War type reenactment. No, um, no. But you have to, you know, defeat uh Harold Hodrada um as William the Conqueror, basically. Mm. Uh and when you do that you get a amazing documentary about ten sixty six and um you know how the rebellions in in England starts, and and how they sort of go up to York, and you see the uh, what's it called, the Circle Place in York, um, Castle thing. I don't oh know. shit! I should know. It's in bloody. It's in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Clifford's know. Tower. Yeah, you see Clifford's Tower, and it's got like um, they've superimposed little men, um, sort of fighting and and stuff. It, it's incredible, uh, really incredibly well done. Um, and I look forward to unlocking more. You said there was one about castles and how they built them. Um, yeah, it's it's I, I was like kind of blown away by it. So um, yeah, first you you do like uh, ten sixty six, and then the rebellion in York and the harrowing of the North. Um, sort of thing and then um, I reached the point where it's like uh, where my knowledge of that period of history sort of ends and it's like it's it's Harold's infighting sons after that and then the Normans reinvading Normandy and like the siege of Bayeux um, or Bayeux you know of the tapestry fame mm. um, but like yeah you get like these little documentaries that explain the history of what's going on but then at the end of every level you get bonus ones and it's like here is uh, how they made castles in the the, the the time of the Normans and it's like some village in in France where they're re where they're building a castle using traditional techniques in the style of a Norman castle just making one from new um, and it's really cool apparently like you get the there's like there's been documentaries on TV apparently you can go out and and see it um, and there was another one on like uh, his how crossbows worked. Uh, and a brief history of of like the introduction and the developments of of crossbows and how they became so uh, fundamental to 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 warfare at that time. Um, and then another one on like here's how they made suits of chainmail armor, uh, and it's all like really really well produced, really well presented, uh, fascinating for like you know history nerds like us. Um, and the stuff that I'm like most excited about this, even more so than the gameplay, which is really, really good, is getting more of that stuff, covering periods of history that I'm not particularly familiar with. Like, I don't know a huge amount about the Hundred Years' War, which mm. is the next campaign after the Engl- the, the Normans. Um, I know a fair a fair bit about, thanks to uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history, about the Mongols. Yep. Uh, but I still really want to see what's going on there. And then 14th century Russia, I know fucking nothing about. No. My, my, that's the other campaign. My history of Russia sort of comes in at the end of the 18th century. Yeah, I mean, like, I understand about like the Rus uh, and how Russia was kind of formed. Yeah. And then there's nothing. 
and then there is the <laughs> then there is like the the czars and the there was a land so- called Russia Soviet revolution and yeah. nothing happened <laughs> and then there was Tsar Nicholas <laughs> And then there was a revolution. <laughs> and yeah, that's all I know, really. So I'm really, uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to that. Really, like, um, it's really, really good. Like, I, the, the gameplay is is fantastic. From what I understand, it's fairly standard Age of Empires gameplay. Yeah, I mean, um, it's ba- they've basically taken Age of Empires two gameplay, mm-hmm. given it a lick of paint. It's all three D now. Yeah. It's still grid based. Um, and yeah the, like i say everything is exactly the same the key the key shortcuts are all the same so your muscle memory is still working um to you know click on your garrison your qqqqqqq to make all your, your um units and stuff so yeah it's exactly the same game i'm sure the ai is better and i'm sure it's more refined and stuff um it, it's just great i mean age of empires is always a great game um and Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, which is where they sort of gave it a lick of paint to bring it up to 1080p standards uh, a few years ago. That was great too. But then this is proper, this is the next step. I, um, I never played Age of Empires 3, um, but I hear... Probably that one wasn't well received. It wasn't as well received because uh, they. Tr- mm. I think, from what I understand, they tried to be a bit different with it. So I, I'm glad this time they've reined it in a bit. And it is effectively, this is Age of Empires 2. It's almost an Age of Empires 2 remake in the way yeah. that everything is. It's just, it's, yeah, it's great. I can't wait to play more. But with, like, new sieves. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to play more, and I can't wait to play some online, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We should play some uh, multiplayer at some point. Yeah. But yeah. Um, really, really, really enjoying that. And then another big win for, for Game Pass. Um, I don't know. Does, do Microsoft own them? You think, yeah, they're so definitely on the franchise. Okay, I think they'll probably be published by them as well, and so it'll be on Game Pass indefinitely, which is good. Yeah, uh, I'm very. Uh, once I played this all the way through, I think I might go back and try the definitive edition of Age of Empires to fill in that hole in my gaming history. Mm. Um, briefly touch on Final Fantasy XIV. For the first time since I've been playing that game, I have no more main story quests to do. I am completely caught up. Um. Because either like I'd, I, uh, well, I, I've been playing catch up basically since the game came out. Mm. Uh, well, no, since I started playing the game because it was already well, I don't know six years old or something like that when I started playing it. And there's a lot of game, and I procrastinate a lot, and I do a lot of side stuff instead of pushing over the main story. But I am now 100% fully up to date. All of Shadowbringers expansion is done. All of the post game con- uh, post um, patch content is done. Uh, and I am ready for Endwalker when it comes out in like two weeks or something yeah. like that. Maybe a bit more than that. There's a Twitter feed literally called Countdown to Endwalker or something like that. <laughs> it's like how many days until like early access of Endwalker? Um, I've got a horrible feeling. I think I'm away on the day that it launches. But anyway, um, I'm finally caught up with that, uh, which is very good. Um I jumped on the other day and I was just going to do some bits and pieces, just do some leveling on some side characters. Uh, and I discovered that I had a weird problem with my PC uh, completely out of nowhere. So I, uh, I'd spent the day working, um, go to launch up uh, Final Fantasy XIV, um, and it's running like single digit frames a second. And it's not the most graphically intensive game. And usually 
on my system it runs at 144 and i was like why is it running like five frames a second i don't understand this it's got to be a problem with the game so i quit and i uninstalled it and then i started it downloading again and i was like okay in the meanwhile i'll go and play some destiny and then i load up destiny and that one was running at one frame a second on the menu and i was like fuck sake my pc is cursed something is wrong loaded up uh, I was like, I'll just try something else just to see if it's a problem with the system with a problem with the graphics card. Loaded up um, Back for Blood. No problems whatsoever. Running running fine. Perfectly. 144 frames. No issue. Loaded up Hitman. No problems whatsoever. Loaded up a bunch of other games. Uh, having absolutely no issue at all. Uh, tried a couple of other Steam games and was having some frame rate issues. Um, some severe frame rate issues like single digits um, one game um, Hasbro Shipbreaker was doing slightly better in that it managed 10 frames a second but that was it and I was like mm, I think something may be wrong with Steam so I uninstalled Steam and all of the games on it and then I reinstalled Destiny through Game Pass loaded it up had exactly the same problem and I was like I'm at this point I'm tearing my hair out I um Reinstalled the drivers, uh, the drivers for my graphics card. Uh, same problem. Uninstalled, used DDU to remove the drivers for the graphics card. Reinstalled them again. Same problem. I stripped them all out. Installed an old version of the drivers from from a couple of months ago. Same problem. Ran checks on my memory, on my on the CPU, on the um, uh, on all my drives. No issues whatsoever. Um, posted about it all over Reddit, uh, and either I didn't get any answers or the mods <laughs> just deleted the posts um, because I didn't post it in the right particular way. I fucking hate Reddit rules. Yeah, like when you go to post something on Reddit and it's n- it's not kept to the like specifically to the their set rules on how a post should be set out and which tags you should use, so they just delete it rather than saying, "Hey, why don't you change this or that?" Oh my god. Um, couldn't get an answer from anyone. So I just had to just completely wipe the computer and reinstall Windows from scratch. And it's fixed the problem. And I have no idea what caused it. Um, but I could have spent the rest of my life trying to process of elimination, find what it was that was causing the problem. But it's all fixed now. Fucking PC gaming, honestly. Um, but... Uh, while that was doing, actually, for the last like week or so, I've been um, I uh, I dug out my Wii U um, and played on that for the first time in ooh, a couple of years. Uh, the Wii U was a thoroughly underappreciated um, console. Um, didn't sell particularly well, partly I'd or I'd say quite largely due to the fact that the marketing of it was terrible. Mm-hmm. The naming of it as a Wii U made people think that maybe it was the people who weren't like, you know, dialed in like us, that maybe it was uh, an accessory to the Wii rather than its own new console. Um, and the only attachment it got to the Wii was the fact that it could play Wii games, you could use the Wii controller, and there was a port on the back to plug in the sensor and everything. Um, so basically, we would replace your Wii, but we'll also play these new games. And like, it's such a cool console. Um, so dug that out, set it up, and I thought, I bought a couple of games ages ago when they were dirt cheap and then never played them. Uh, so I've been playing 
Pikmin 3. Um, and it's the first Pikmin game I've ever played. Have you ever played a Pikmin? Oh, yeah. Um, so I knew what they were, but I'd never played one before. Um, and it's basically you control these little astronaut dudes that crash land on Earth? You're the astronaut dude. Know. You're the astronaut yeah, dude. You, You're yeah, you control the astronaut dudes. Something. Oh, the Captain dudes. Olimar and So in, I only played Pikmin 1. Um, okay. And you play Captain whatever his name is. Olimar. Yep. Uh, and you crash land on a mysterious planet and there are these Pikmin about and you find that they basically follow you around and they mm-hmm. do stuff. Um, so like if... Uh, you effectively need to rebuild your spaceship to get off the planet. So all of your yeah. parts are scattered around the world. Um, and you, they will come and, like, you know, bring them back for you. To, they'll carry them for you, like ants. Yeah. Um, and then there are different types. So, like, the blue ones can't go in water because they melt and different things like that. And there are some big, scary monsters in the world that you need to evade in clever ways for them so they don't get eaten. And stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's, you know, effectively the basic loop of one, at least. I'm not sure about three. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Like you crash land on the planet. that you, you control multiple characters this time. One at first, and then you find another one, then you find another one, which means that you can, like, split your group. You can split up into three groups. Yeah. Um, so you can play the game two different... <laughs> you can play the game two different ways. You can play it with the, the Wii controller a Wii U controller, which means that you're aiming where you throw your Pikmin with the touchscreen, but they made no uh, accounting for left-handers such as myself, and so the controls that you need to press are on uh, on the left-hand side of the the pad, um, like the shoulder buttons, but you need to be able to touch it, so I'm having to use the touchscreen with my right hand with the stylus, which... It feels so fucking wrong to me. I'm very, very left-handed. Um, uh, or the other way you can play is using the the Wiimote and the nunchuck, which is like you move around with the nunchuck and you aim on the screen with the Wiimote, and that's where you throw your Pikmin or you like you whistle to pull them back in and whatnot. Yep. But then you don't have the map, so you're kind of having to use one with like the other controller to your side because like um, it's got a bunch of stuff that I don't think was in the older ones, like you touch the map on the screen on on the Wiimote and you like drag to a particular point um and then you say go here and then that that particular astronaut character and all the Pikmin that are attached to it will automatically start going to that point okay so then you can like switch to another one of your astronauts and go off and do a different task and then another one and go and do a different task there's a lot more of like splitting your team up into different groups to go and do different tasks it's the same thing of like Different Pikmin are good for different things. The red ones are fireproof. Uh, the yellow ones are really good at digging and can be thrown higher, and they're also conduct electricity. And there's, like, the rock Pikmin that you can use to smash certain materials. Those are the only three I've found so far. Um, and there's a bunch of other ones. Um, and it's, like, same sort of thing. You're trying to re- trying to bring your crew back together and then find the bits and pieces you need to fix your ship and go back home. But you're also like the the, the main like th- impetus for them to go in there in the first place is their home planet is running out of food. So you're like trying to find fruit. Mm-hmm. And you're going out and finding different fruits and getting the Pikmin to bring them back to the ship. And you're building up like a you know like a um, a stock of fruit juices. Um, 
but every day one of those vials of fruit juice gets used because your crew needs to eat so you need to find fruit every day as well as like figuring out all these puzzles and like either avoiding or fighting the enemies that are around there's like boss fights um that are really really intense um but and, and the whole thing's like with a time limit like you have like the there's like a little sun meter that goes across the top of the screen and at the end of the day you will return to your ship and any pikmin that are out and stranded they're gonna get eaten yeah that happens uh, in the first game too and it feels really bad like there is a i don't want to say this this way but there is an acceptable level of Pikmin loss <laughs> as you're going through the game. There is an acceptable level of death just because when you're fighting enemies, like some of the Pikmin are going to die. But I always feel really bad about leaving some on the planet's surface to just get eaten at night. Um, it's really, really cool. I'm re like, I'm thoroughly... I don't know why I'd never played a Pikmin game before or why I didn't play this one when I bought it and just left it sat on the hard drive and I'm only playing it now, but I'm like it I, I love it i absolutely love it hmm. i can't get enough of it have um, you seen um niantic pikmin who, bloom pikmin bloom uh, i saw it's already out i didn't know is. until i just checked on the internet but i saw the trailer pop up um the other day and i watched it and it was like i don't fully understand what this is but it looks like another stage of nintendo's like desperate please everyone be more active get fit i mean like sort of thing it's kind of cute because they've been doing this for years like did when they released um re-released pokemon silver and gold which was soul silver and heart gold i think yeah yeah i got the little um little pokeball thing pedometer where you yep. loaded a Pokemon onto it, and the more steps you did, they got XP for it. Uh, so you're like, you're uh -huh. taking your Pokemon for a walk. And they've just continued this thing for like 15 years of trying to get every gamer to go and have a walk every now and then. It's kind of it's kind of amazing. I kind of love it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, what it does mean is that they are now shutting down their Harry Potter game, uh, which I actually forgot was a thing. Um, but they're all kind of... Is Pikmin Bloom just Ingress slash Pokemon Go slash Wizards Unite or whatever it was called, or is it something new? Do you know? Well, I don't. I don't fully know. I'm looking at the review on um, Nintendo Life, and it says like. So I'll just go through uh, the conclusion. Pikmin Bloom is much more of a life companion app than something to feverishly devour, as long as your battery permits. It feels like a far healthier experience of body and mind than many free-to-play games. And Niantic accomplishes its goals well. Um, time will tell whether it has anything like the staying power and pull of Pokemon Go but where that game can feel like an insurmountable climb if you put it down for any length of time with no hope of catching them all Pikmin Bloom is more of an old friend you haven't seen in years but you just pick up where you left off, fire it up with appropriate expectations and you'll likely have a blooming good time with it. They put down their only con is it's a glorified pedometer expect more game and you'll likely be disappointed. That's kind of fair. Like I... I feel like then from the sounds of that, it's more of a thing you would turn on if you were going on a walk somewhere rather than yes. something that you would go out. Like Pokemon Go, people genuinely sort of go to the center of town on a Saturday and just play, do it to go and play Pokemon Go. 
So it says here, the basic loop is as follows. You walk around your neighborhood with small but ever-growing band of Pikmin pals who collect fruit and items as you wander. Tapping on the fruit distills it into nectar of different varieties, depending on the color, which is fed to your Pikmin up to six times a day, causing the flowers on their heads to bloom. Just like the actual Pikmin game, I guess. Yeah? Um, tapping the petals adds them to your inventory, and they can be used to initiate a time-limited flower planting binge, which leaves a lovely colorful trail wherever you walk before supply of those petals runs out so on and so forth that's yeah it just seems like a chill thing to do while you're out walking they just nintendo just really want people to go walking they do they just really want people to be fit i like that yeah it's something to aim for in life yeah for sure <laughs> uh yeah i appreciate that um i'm gonna get that installed and um i, I was literally just about to search for it yeah yeah um yeah pikmin 3 bit of a revelation for me um it at this rate it could well end up on my game of the year list uh because i'm enjoying it so much um the only other thing i want to talk about briefly because i've literally only just started playing it uh, about an hour before we started recording was unpacking um Mm. which i paid a bit of uh in steam's like demo festival thing a while back and it's uh, now out uh and it's doing really well it's quite high up in the steam charts it's on game pass uh so i loaded up on game pass and um had a little crack at it and it's basically like um it's like an isometric puzzle game where you're literally just unpacking boxes and putting things in a room but it's a journey of a girl through about 20 years from what i understand starts off in 1997 i think and you're and it's a kid's room and you're unpacking kid stuff and then it goes through to 2004 and it's like um you know uh late teens and it's their first time away from home and they're in a college dorm or university halls or whatever and so you're unpacking and uh, and then the next one is like their first flat um but they're moving stuff into a into a place it's okay so it's kind of weird so like the first one is like empty bedroom and you're unpacking stuff into into that bedroom and placing it wherever you want, and it's just kids stuff. Second one's like your university dorms. So you got bedroom, bathroom, and like a shared kitchen, <clears throat> and you're unpacking stuff there. And then the third one is like you're unpacking stuff in like a you know bedroom, living room, kitchen, uh, bathroom, but it's like the person's obviously moved in with someone else and they, their stuff already exists there and you're moving your stuff in around it. Mm. Uh, and it's it, that's basically just the premise of it. It's just a puzzle game. But I've got a feeling that at some point it's going to proper punch me in the feels. Yeah, I was just thinking you th- it seems to be setting up for that. It's in a, a very, like... Um... But I think it's going to do it in a very subtle way because it's like you're unpacking the same person's things at different points in time. Yeah, and some of the stuff carries over, and some of it evolves, in a way. Yeah. Um, did you ever play Florence? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. It feels kind of like it's going to be similar to that in the punch you in the feels way, potentially. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, like from, I like like you. I saw this because of the Steam. Uh, you know next fest demo next fest that was it thank you um and yeah i thought it looked great but it wasn't one i got around to that week uh so i'm very Mm. happy it's come to game pass um but yeah a lot of the 
talk around this game that I've seen has unfortunately been how it's not worth the full price because it's not a very oh, long up. game. And yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I hate that argument. I have a count. I have a counter argument to it's not worth the full price. In unpacking, every time you move an object, it puts it down and plays the sound of you putting it down. Mm-hmm. There is a different sound for every different type of material interacting with a different type of material. Yep. In total, according to the developers, there are 15,000 different sounds that you can hear. Things being put on different different things. Things being put on different things in different places. So like the middle of the table Mm -hmm. sounds different to the edge of the table for each different thing. 15,000 different Foley sounds in the get. Like, that is incredible. I, yeah... I, I would play it just to hear, like, just to keep putting things down in different places to hear the different noises, to be honest. Yeah. Um, An incredible amount of love and work goes into a polish like that. Yeah, and I, w- I would really love it if, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, 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 I really enjoy it if it was, even if it was just that. Uh, and all, for all I know, it could only, it could literally be just that. But I don't know, I've just got a feeling like, um, I'm only on like the third level uh, and at some point I've got a feeling like it's going to be you're going to be unpacking I don't know like um, you'll I don't, I, 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 I don't know I don't know how I don't want to speculate in case I'm right and I end up spoiling it or something um, but yeah it just feels like it's going to be a, it's going to get me in the feels at some point mm. um, but no, um, I, I get that it's yeah. a wonderful little game Um if you've got Game Pass, I, th- I think it's on Game Pass on console as well. Um, yeah, definitely get on it. Uh, it's even if it is literally just as it appears on the surface, it's a really satisfying game to play. Um, Everyone loves unpacking things and putting things in their rightful place. Mm, I didn't like unpacking when I moved house. I like it for a bit. I like it more than packing stuff, for sure. Packing stuff is... That can go... That ahead. sucks. Oh, no. I've got all this to come, haven't I? <laughs> we keep um, sort of yeah. joking um, about when we should start packing. Hmm. 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 Oh, no. I'm being, we're being pestered by Andy on... Are we? What for? Yeah. Apparently, uh, Detective Pikachu leaves Prime... In 12 days. Oh, we need to watch it then. So we have to get it watched. Okay. And then do an episode on it. Cool. So look forward to that. I've got the t-shirt on. Uh, right. Um, I think we've chatted enough. Probably. I mean, we said yeah. we wanted to keep this under an hour and I'm on an hour and a half. I'm on an hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it'll be when I've edited this mess back together again. Oh, well, oh, well I don't know. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Nick. That's That's all I can say. Oh, good. I'm glad. It's a pleasure talking to you, too. Thank you. Um, and I hope it's been a pleasure listening. So thanks for sticking with us. Cheers. Um, we... Well, 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 we'll be happy when this episode comes out. Um, there'll probably be some more Formula One coming up. What's after Monza? Because Monza will be done by the time this episode comes out. It is Russia. Sochi. Boo. Uh, Sochi sucks but we'll try and make it fun so tune in on a Wednesday or Thursday or whenever it is to watch us do practice and qualifying and then 
maybe the Sunday for the race. I don't know. Just keep an eye out for that. Uh, maybe some more Back for Blood next week. Um, maybe something else. Um, yeah, just keep an eye on the socials at uh, Laps Gamer on on Twitter and see what we're doing and where you can check it out. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. Thanks very much for listening, Nick. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. No worries, uh, and we'll see you on the next episode. Draw. Bye.